If you are not legally protected in your business, you are leaving money on the table. Hey, I get it. The legal side of business can feel intimidating, but the good news is it doesn't have to be. If you want to build your business on a strong foundation, and if you want to know that your rights are protected when the unexpected happens with a client or a customer, then it's time to get legally protected. This means no more using free contracts that you downloaded off of the internet. This means partnering with a law firm that actually believes in your vision and can help you achieve it. This means legally protecting your brand so that no one can steal your good ideas. There are a lot of ways to grow and scale, but if you want to grow a strong business, it's time to get legally protected. If you're listening and resonating with this, then my signature service, The Legal Upgrade, just might be perfect for you. The Legal Upgrade is a straightforward, structured process to give your business the legal protection that it needs to thrive. Click the link in the show notes and schedule a call with me today. Hello, and welcome to the Legal Upgrade Podcast. I'm your host, licensed attorney, Christian Hammond. This podcast breaks down the legal side of business to reveal key legal strategies that can help you take your business to the next level. Please note that none of the following is legal, tax, investment, financial, or medical advice. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Should you have your contractors sign a non-compete agreement or a non-solicitation agreement or both? If you have started to hire team members, if your business is growing and you are starting to have a team, you might have wondered whether you should have them sign a non-compete or a non-solicitation agreement. If you are joining, welcome. Feel free to jump in the chat. Let us know what city you're in, where you're tuning in from. And if you're new around here, welcome. My name is Christian Hammond. I'm a licensed attorney in Washington, DC, and I specialize in helping small business owners get legally protected. And if you're new here, you're definitely gonna wanna take out a notebook and a pen and take notes because there are going to be a lot of really good gems in here for all of you business owners who are building team, hiring team, or maybe you haven't even hired your first person yet, but you just want to plan ahead and see like, you know, what you should be thinking about when that time comes. So welcome. And I'm so excited to get into this topic. I see that Chicago is in the house. Michigan is in the house. Welcome. Now, non-competes can be kind of controversial. Some business owners swear by them, you know, really feel like they're really important to their business. Other business owners don't like them. They feel like they're unfair. So this can be a controversial topic, which makes it the perfect topic for us to tackle together and break down and jump into and just really think about, um, you know, is this helpful or is this something business owners should do or something you should do? I see that Louisiana is in the house. Wow, South Africa is in the house. Welcome, everyone. So before we can tackle this topic of whether you should have your contractors sign a non-compete or a non-solicitation, first we have to think about, you know, what exactly is a contractor? 
because there's so many terms that people are using. Self-employed, freelancer, contractor, independent contractor, subcontractor, all these different terms. And if you're like me, when I first started my business, I was actually really confused. Like, are these all the same thing? Are they different things? What is the difference between all these different names? Well, I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. The only difference is branding. The only difference is marketing. There is no actual legal difference between these different terms. It's just a matter of personal preference, marketing, branding. It's all the same thing legally. And when I say legally, what I really mean is it's all the same thing from a tax perspective. Because from the perspective of the IRS, there are only two kinds of people in this world. There are people who get W-2s and there are people who get 1099s. People who get W-2s are called employees and people who get 1099s are called contractors. So there may be many different titles and I'm not here to knock anybody's title. Whatever you want to call yourself is totally fine. Uh, but legally speaking, there are only two types of people. There are only two types of tax documents that people get, at least here in the United States, it's a 1099 or it's a W-2. And again, people who get W-2s are legally called employees. People who get 1099s are legally called contractors. So those are the two different types. Those are the two different decisions. If you are a business owner, you are faced with the decision, should you hire employees or should you hire contractors. Now, when a business is first starting out or it's first starting to scale, first starting to build a team, it's very common these days for them to choose to hire a contractor instead of an employee. And why is that? Why do people decide to go with the 1099 instead of going with the W-2? Very simply, it's because 1099s are a lot cheaper. So there's a lot of laws around what business owners need to do if they're going to hire W-2 employees. If you're an employee, you're basically entitled to a whole bunch of extra stuff that contractors are not entitled to. Employees get things like health benefits. They get things like retirement plans, um, all these different benefits that come with being an employee, workman's comp, um, paid time off, all these different things are benefits that employees get. So that means that employees are much more expensive to hire than 1099 contractors. So these days when people are first starting to build team, it's very common for them to go the contractor route. Now you might be thinking, oh, this sounds great. I can just hire a contractor. I can have them do all the things and I get to skip all of the expenses that come with having an employee. But not so fast, not so fast, because the IRS very much cares whether people truly are employees or contractors, simply because the IRS wants its uh, money. So, and when you have employees, you pay things like payroll taxes. So all of that means is that from the IRS's perspective, if it walks like an employee, if it talks like an employee, 
And if it looks like an employee, it's an employee, even if you are trying to call it a contractor, which means you can't just hire someone, call them a contractor, but treat them like an employee. That's not going to fly. And we don't want you guys getting in trouble with the IRS. So what does this mean? What does it look like when someone really is a contractor? Most traditionally or most typically, a true contractor is someone who has their own business and you are just one of their many different clients. So a true contractor typically has their own business and they have many different clients, one of which is you. So a virtual assistant who works for you from you know 30 to 40 hours a week and you are their only client, looks a lot like an employee. Not saying it is, just saying that it looks a lot like an employee. Whereas a virtual assistant who has 20 different clients, one of which just so happens to be you, that looks a lot more like a contractor uh, and is you know more the safer space to be. So when it comes to trying to make that decision, employee versus contractor, it's really important as business owners that we are clear on the difference and that if we are going to hire someone and call them a contractor, that they really are a true contractor and that we really are treating them like a contractor. So that is the difference. So when we're talking about this question, should I have my contractors sign a non-compete or a non-solicitation? These are the types of positions that we are talking about. That's what a contractor or a true contractor is under, um, under the law, or at least, again, under the law here in the U.S. So when you are starting to scale, when you are starting to grow, there's a lot of different contractors you might be interested in hiring. But I would break it down into two categories. There's contractors that you might hire to buy back your time. And there's contractors that you might hire to duplicate yourself. So contractors you might hire to buy back your time are basically all those functions that maybe you were previously doing as a business owner, and maybe you were doing them all yourself. And as your business grows, you're like, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> I need to buy back my time. I am spending my time on things that as the owner of this business, this is not the best use of my time. And it's time to outsource. It's time to use the resources from my business to buy back some of my time as the business owner. And so these types of contractors are, might look like a virtual assistant, an executive assistant, somebody to handle the IT side of your business, somebody to be a web designer or a graphic designer, someone to take over the marketing or the social media management, uh, these a bookkeeper or an accountant. These are contractors that you might hire to buy back your time, to take over the things that you've been DIYing yourself up until this point, and it is time to outsource and get this off of your plate. That's the first type of contractor. You're buying back your time. Now, another type of contractor that you might be interested in hiring for your business is a contractor who is meant to essentially duplicate you. 
It's a contractor who's meant to allow you to duplicate yourself, clone yourself, um, essentially someone who is meant to help you scale. This is a person who's meant to have either your exact same skill set or something very close to it. And they are meant to essentially service your clients the same way that you would service your clients. So if you are a consultant or you, you have a consulting business, this looks like hiring another consultant. If you are a coach, this looks like hiring another coach to coach your clients in the same style that you would coach them. If you have a marketing agency and maybe you've been doing the writing and you've also been doing maybe the ads, it's hiring somebody else to do the writing, hiring somebody else to do the ads. So the second type of contractor that you might hire in your business is someone who's meant to duplicate your exact skills. Maybe they're even meant to completely replace you in that role so that you can move up and be more in charge of the, the vision or more in charge of the operations. So these are the two different types of contractors that you might be looking into hiring or maybe you've already hired in your business. And the challenge with contractors, again, is that a true contractor is typically someone who has their own business, which on the one hand means it's great because you hire someone who already has the skills you need. But on the other hand, this creates a risk for us as business owners. And that risk is that one day while working for you, that person looks around and says, hey, I've met some pretty great clients working for, you know, let's say your name is Julie. I've met some really great clients working for Julie. Ah, uh, you know what? I could, I might as well take all these clients for myself and bring them on over to my own business. The risk is that one day your contractor decides to reach out to all of your clients that they've met while they were working for you and get them to come be their client instead. It's the risk that they go to your clients and say, hey, 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 Julie, she's really just the middleman. Let's cut out Julie. I'm, do I'm willing to do the exact same job as her, but for a fraction of the price. So why don't you come be my client instead? That is the risk that we face as business owners, um, really when hiring anybody. But today we're talking about when hiring contractors. So what do we do about this risk? And this is, um, I remember reading this court case several years ago now, and um, it was this really wild story. So it, um, there was a coaching business, an executive coaching business that was meant for kind of like high powered CEOs to be able to come in and get really great executive coaching and be able to overcome challenges they were facing in their business. And they were assigned a certain coach and it was this whole coaching business. And there was one person, one CEO who signed up for this service. And over the course of working with this executive coach, they started asking for very detailed questions about their business. And they started asking for pretty detailed data about their business. And long story short, that executive coach eventually set up a competing business, went and siphoned off most of their employees, 
And that person was left with no business and no employees. Um, and that's how they ended up in court. But pretty wild story. But this is the kind of stuff that happens, you know, because we live in the real world. And in the real world, there's competition and people who are looking to get ahead on the back of other people's effort. So these are the kinds of risks that we are dealing with as business owners. And this risk is maybe especially, um, you know, especially a risk with that second type of contractor I was talking about. The person that you have hired to duplicate exactly what you do. And it's especially a risk if maybe you've spent a lot of time training them and teaching them your secret sauce, teaching them exactly how your business operates, teaching them your unique style and tricks of the trade and things you've picked up along the way. And it's especially a risk if they do have direct access to your clients. And maybe you even trust them so much that they are going to client meetings alone without you. Um, so these are the types of risks that we are encountering. And, um, you know, it's not, obviously it's not everyone or else we would never hire, but I think that a special risk factor is when we have hired someone or brought someone into our business who truth be told is not happy playing second fiddle. <laughs> and here's what I mean by that. Sometimes you bring in a contractor and they are perfectly happy being a contractor. They are perfectly happy with, you know, they want the flexibility of contract work, but they don't want the pressure of having to make sales and bring in their own clients. So they are perfectly happy playing second fiddle. But sometimes we bring a contractor into our business and they're not happy just playing second fiddle. And truth be told, they want to be the one making the sales. They want to build their own brand, their own business. And that's not necessarily a problem. What becomes a problem is when they want to do that while siphoning off your effort, your business, the clients that you have brought into your business um, yourself. So that's the challenge. Now, I see a question in here regarding virtual assistants. Do they get benefits such as retirement funds, et cetera? Now, that's going to depend, again, on whether they are a contractor or whether they are an employee. And, um, you know, you're going to want to talk to a good employment lawyer who can look at your business, look at how everything is functioning, and make sure that you are treating that person appropriately. I don't know in your case whether they are an employee or whether they are a contractor, but you're going to want to talk to an employment lawyer who can help you figure that out and then help you figure out what benefits you might need to offer them, if any. So great question. Um, sorry, I can't offer more details, but that's a, that's a, um, determination that an employment lawyer would be able to help you out with. And if I am not an employment lawyer, but if you would like one, send me a DM and um, I'm happy to refer you to someone who can help. So these are the challenges, the risks that we are facing as business owners. We do not want a contractor who was supposed to be helping us siphoning off our clients and taking them into their own business. So what's the solution? 
to this potential risk. And there are two types of legal solutions, and those are called non-competes and non-solicitations agreements, non-compete agreements and non-solicitation agreements. And you might've heard these used interchangeably, but they are actually two completely different things. And we're gonna dive into the differences, the pros, the cons, and tackling this question of, is this something that business owners, you know, that's good for a business owner to have in their business? So first we're gonna talk about non-compete agreements. And again, these are kind of the controversial ones right now. So let's dive into these. First of all, what is a non-compete? A non-compete is basically when you say to your contractor, hey, uh, for as long as you're working with me, and maybe even for some time after, one year, two year, five years after, you can't set up a competing business, a business that would compete with mine. It's very much what it sounds like. It's an agreement that somebody makes not to compete with you not to set up a business that's going to compete with your business. And while this might initially sound good or sound like something you might want, there are many different kind of issues with non-competes. The first is that non-competes are not enforceable in every state. Certain states have outlawed non-competes. Certain states have outlawed them under certain circumstances, like based on you know, what salary people are being paid. Um, there's, I believe there's also a federal law pending about non-compete agreements. So non-competes, depending on what state you're in, might not be legal. And if a federal law passes, then it might not, it might be not just in your state. So non-competes, their first challenge is finding out, is a non-compete going to be enforceable in the state that you are living in? That's the first um, question. And then the second issue with a non-compete from my perspective is that a non-compete often does not make sense for someone who is a true contractor. Because again, a true contractor usually is someone who has their own business. So it doesn't really make sense if someone has their own business to say, hey, you can't have your own business because they kind of already do. And, um, and again, you um, if we are hiring someone as a contractor and calling them a contractor, but actually treating them more like an employee, more like an exclusive relationship, more like they need to be working for us full time, that can cause some issues, some risk, some liability with the IRS um, and also with the Department of Labor. So non-competes, there are definitely situations where they make a lot of sense. There are definitely situations where they can be a good idea, but they have their challenges. Not always enforceable, depending on the state. And it can make things look murky. It can make your hiring situation look murky. Like, is this really a contractor or is this an employee? So these are some risk factors to consider when considering that non-compete agreement. Now, another option that is at the business owner's disposal is non-solicitation. Now, non-solicitation is similar but different from non-compete. It's more narrow. Non-solicitation is when you say to your contractor, 
hey, uh, don't go around to my clients and tell them to stop working with me and to go work for you, to work with you instead. It's, it's again, it's like its name. Solicitation is when you go around, uh, in this case, going around to somebody else's clients and being like, hey, I'll do the same job for half the price. Come be my client instead. That's solicitation. Uh, a lot of times business owners will also have a non-solicitation when it comes to talking to other employees, meaning like, hey, don't quit working for me and also go around to all your coworkers and say, hey, we should all quit together. That's uh, another uh, form of solicitation. So solicitation is more tailored. And for me personally, I actually prefer non-solicitation for a few reasons. First, non-solicitation doesn't tend to have the, um, the same legal issues as a non-compete. And, um, you know, meaning that non-competes, again, are illegal in several states and probably will soon be illegal in many others, whereas non-solicitation, at least as of right now, the day of this filming, doesn't have those same issues. But also to me, non-solicitation addresses the bad behavior that we are actually looking to pre prevent as business owners. It's not that I don't want you to go out and have your own business. It's not that I don't want you to go out and be great. Um, but what I don't want you to do is to go around all my clients and steal my clients. Like, I want you to go out and have your own business. I just want you to go find your own clients, find your own business, find your own work. So um, that's why personally, my perspective, I prefer non-solicitation. And those are, those are the type of um, clauses I tend to lean towards for my own clients when writing these types of agreements. And now again, there can be reasons to have a non-compete, there can be reasons to have a non-solicitation, there can be reasons to have both, um, you know, in certain situations. And so it depends on the business, it depends on the person, but that is um, just kind of a general idea of the difference between non-solicitation and non-compete. So where do we go from here? I see someone asking a question, how do you go about this? Perfect timing, because we are about to close it out with where do you go from here? How do we protect ourselves as business owners? How do we protect ourselves as we're starting to hire, as we're starting to build a team, as we're starting to build people on board? Well, the first way to protect ourselves is to have a great contract um, that addresses these issues, not just non-compete and non-solicitation, but also things like confidentiality or maybe even non-disclosure agreements. The first step to being legally protected as business owners is to have that really great contract in place. And if you don't have a great business owner that you are working with, you're going to want to find one. You, you need to find a great business owner, a business lawyer that you enjoy working with and that can help you put something like this together. Other ways we can protect ourselves is by being clear from the get-go when we're hiring contractors about the expectations. I think so often when it comes to hiring, you know, truth be told, we're doing it in a hurry. A lot of us are hiring um, maybe when things are really tense, 
maybe when things are really busy, maybe when we have a need to fill right this second. And a lot of times we are hiring in a rush. And when we're hiring in a rush, we might not be as clear as we can be or as we should be about the expectations. And we might be hiring people who maybe aren't really quite the right fit, but we just have a need and we need to get somebody in here right now. But being clear on expectations, I think goes a long way in understanding, again, this person that we are bringing into our business, are they perfectly happy being our contractor? You know, are they perfectly happy having us as one of many clients or are they perfectly happy, you know, having that flexibility of contractor life, but not needing to make the sales and we're the perfect fit for them and they're the perfect fit for us? Or are we bringing someone into our business who isn't really satisfied with this role, who is really just using this role as a stepping, um, a stepping stone to having their own business And again, all that can be fine, but then the next layer is, is it someone potentially who's going to try to step on our business on their way to trying to get what they want? Now, of course, I think anyone who's hired knows that it can be really hard to um, really try to tease this out during the hiring process. But again, being clear about expectations, being clear about mutual expectations, I think goes such a long way in finding that right person to fit that role. And then lastly, something we can do as business owners to protect ourselves is being really good to the people we bring into our team. Because when these kind of situations do happen, it's often going to be other team members who let you know, hey, something's not quite right with, um, you know, so-and-so, or hey, you might want to pay attention to such-and-such. If you treat your people well, they're going to let you know when something fishy is happening. If you treat your people well, they're going to give you a tip if something's going on that maybe you should put your eyes on. So the third and final way we can protect ourselves is by um, being great to the people that we bring into our team so that when something is happening that we don't see or something is happening outside of our immediate attention, they're letting us know uh, that we might want to turn our eyes to what's going on. So that is all that I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening, for watching, for tuning in. And if you learned something, please tag me in your stories. Let me know what you learned. And I will see you guys next time. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. The Legal Upgrade Podcast is a Bevel Law production. For more information about The Legal Upgrade, you can follow on Instagram at Bevel Law or find even more information on the website bevellaw.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a friend. See you next time on the Legal Upgrade Podcast.